intro of some sort. Don't use a pickup line like come here often. That is not going to get you the, the phone number. But if you use something like if you were a pizza topping, what topping would you be? Something quirky like that now gets you an introduction into the conversation. Or another one, um, um, a person's last name has a surprising impact on their career path. And so you will find very few uh, marine biologists named Dr. Fish. This guy studied all this. Apparently there's some science to it. Or another one, according to him, is, is the best way to spot a liar is not with our eyes, like we've been taught, but actually with our ears. Because when they're lying, they will give you much less detail and they don't use the pronoun I as much in the conversation. There's many more of these, but he's, he's driven by this belief that, that there are odd quirks in our interactions with one another and in our, in our time together with one another and how we relate to the world around us, that, that there's actually something behind those that explains the world around us and the experiences that we have in the world around us. And so today we celebrate Palm Sunday. It is this... Um, strange and quirky day on the Christian calendar where we have palm branches and we, we talk about palm branches. See, thank you, Terry, for pointing that out for us. It was a very white background, so we have palm branches today. You should have seen me try to get those in and out of the backs of the car. That's why that one kind of droops a little bit. Even better, you should have seen me and Corey and Jamie trying to get it out of the storage unit because we thought we didn't need it for the next year. Amen. It is a quirky day where we have palm branches and we have this image of Jesus riding on a donkey. He rides into Jerusalem, into this capital city, riding on a donkey. And so it's a day that we're not, we're not celebrating Jesus and some great miracle. We're not celebrating Jesus and some great teaching. We're celebrating Jesus riding on a donkey. It is a quirky day. It's a quirky scene. And, and yet there is great meaning behind it. There's great purpose behind it. It explains a lot about who we are as disciples of Jesus. It explains a lot about who God is. And so let's read this story together. It's in all four of the Gospels. Today we're going to read Matthew's accounts of it. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem and the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, riding into this, this capital city, riding on a donkey. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of you did not arrive today by way of donkey. How many? How many? Any of the kids show up today on a donkey? No, we did not arrive on a donkey. And so for us, arriving somewhere on a donkey in and of itself is strange. This is a weird picture. Riding on a donkey is weird. Jesus riding on a donkey is even weirder. And then you, you look at the scene of what is happening with Jesus, being presented as king, as Messiah, coming into this capital city, and he's riding on a donkey. But of course, in Jesus' day, in the first century, this would not have been a strange sight. Right? Seeing someone ride on a donkey, you would have seen a donkey tied up out front as you came in. But we don't see donkeys that often. We're city folk. But they would have seen these donkeys. It would have been something that was normal to them, but what is not normal is the royal status of Jesus riding on a donkey. And so the same crowd had likely assembled for Pilate that the governor coming in, he arrived about the same time, and he likely rode in on a horse, not on a donkey. And so they see these two coming into town. They see Jesus riding in on the donkey. They see Pilate riding in on a horse. And they see these two powers, these two authorities, these two rulers coming in in very different ways. And so for the first century Jew, it would have made sense, though, because they would have read the prophecies. They would have known what was coming when the Messiah was arriving. And so when Jesus comes riding in at a donkey, it brings to mind the prophecies of Zechariah. These prophecies that say, Rejoice, greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a So they would have grown up hearing these stories. Look for the Messiah. The Messiah will come, and, and you will know that it is the Messiah because he comes riding in on a donkey. And so Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem is him saying, I'm that guy. That guy that you read about riding in on a donkey, that's me. I'm the guy. And so here comes Jesus. And the people respond, not with, who's that guy? But that's the guy. Hosanna. That's the guy. He's the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. He's the one we've been looking for. He's the one that's been prophesied about. Here comes Jesus riding in on a donkey. And he is the king that we have been waiting for. He is the Messiah. They are saying, we agree. That's the guy. This is the one that we've been waiting for, and they are celebrating. 
the same way that we have a hard time wrapping our mind around what it looks like for someone to ride in here on a donkey, we also have a, a hard time wrapping our heads around what it means to have a king. Because they're looking and saying, Jesus is the king that's coming. And for us, we say the king is somebody who's supposed to be dethroned. We, we live in, in, in a country that does not like kings, right? Palm Sunday gives us images of messiahship, of kingship, and we struggle with that. what that means. If, if you're American, which most of us are, if you're American, then our entire national identity is forged by opposing a king. And here we are celebrating a king. It's in our DNA to not live life under a powerful ruler. To live under a king is a bad thing. There is a popular musical out right now called Hamilton. Um, how many of you are familiar with the music of Hamilton? Laurie-Ann is not standing high enough. She's like going as high as we can. Popular, popular uh, uh, musical Hamilton. And there is this character. It's, it's about Alexander Hamilton and the time of the revolution. And it's the story of of writing of the Declaration of Independence and, and America becoming independent. But there is this fun character that, that has kind of this side role, and it is the king, King George. And he sings this song. I wanted to play a clip for it, but I couldn't find a clip for it. And I won't sing it, but I will read the lyrics. He says, you say the prince or the price of my loves, not a price that you're willing to pay. Remember, this is King George singing to these rebel Americans. He says, you cry in your tea which you hurl in the sea when you see me go by. Why so sad? Remember, we made an arrangement when you went away. Now you're making me mad. Remember, despite our estrangement, I'm your man. You'll be back soon. You'll see. You'll remember you belong to me. You'll be back. Time will tell. You'll remember that I served you well. Oceans rise, empires fall. We have seen each other through it all. And when push comes to shove, I will send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. It's a fun, silly song, but it very much displays for us what we as Americans view of kings. He's the dopey, silly character, one that is not to be respected, one that's certainly not to be followed. And so for us, the idea of a king is difficult. And then on top of that, many of us have trouble with the male imagery of a king, right? So, so here is a man that is in charge in, in a, a system of government where, where men dominate women. And in that culture, women have no power, no control, and no say. And so when we approach this idea of Jesus being king, we can bring a lot of baggage with us, right? We can have this baggage of, of independence from a king. We can have this, this baggage of, of not wanting the, the dominant man in control over what's going on. We know what a king is. But it's hard for us to wrap our mind about around what that is. 
And the problem that many Christians have is, is that we're uncomfortable using the word when we're talking about our relationship with Jesus. Because of our baggage with the word king, it is hard for us to call Jesus king. But Palm Sunday comes and, and, and reminds us with this, this quirky scene of palms and donkeys and crowds lining the streets and laying their coats down reminds us of who God is and God's desire through Jesus to be sovereign in our lives, something that we're not necessarily comfortable with. And so, yes, we have the idea of a king, this absolute sovereign, having, having total control and power over our lives. But we also live in this political system where we cannot agree on health care. We cannot agree on immigration. We cannot agree on a whole host of issues. And if, if somebody is in charge that has the authority to dictate those things to us, we've got a problem with that, right? If they don't agree with my stance on health care and they impose their stance on health care on me, I'm not a fan of that. If I have a certain idea about gun control or immigration, and I have someone who is in power who is opposing my point of view, I don't want to be dictated to. I don't want to be told what to think about those things. And so for us, we don't like to be told what to do. We don't like having a sovereign over us. And so think about how we manage our stuff and how we manage our lives and how we manage our social media accounts and, and how we we, we portray ourselves and, and the kinds of conversations we have over coffee or the kinds of posts that we post on social media, all of those influenced by what we think about power and not wanting to be under the power of somebody else. But that's not how the kingdom of God works. Sure, the kingdom of God is not a democracy at all. We have a king. We have one in complete and total authority. And so a big part of discipleship, of being a follower of Jesus, is us learning how to submit our lives to the kingship, to the sovereignty of Jesus, to the rule of Jesus. He offered himself as sovereign 2,000 years ago. And in his offering to be sovereign, we see how that turned out. Because the same crowd that is celebrating him today is the one that is cheering on his crucifixion on Friday. Will Jesus be sovereign? Today, Jesus offers to us to be our sovereign, to be our king. And so what do we do with the king? First, we've got to learn to submit to his authority. That in and of itself is hard for us, right? We, we do not want to submit to authority. We want to be the authority. And so we have to submit to the authority. We have to learn what that means, that, that kings are sovereign, which means Jesus has absolute authority over everything in our lives. Everything. We, we see this. We see hints of this in the story that we just read, this, this quirky story here where, where Jesus gives instructions to go and get this donkey. And he says, go and get it. And if they ask you why you're taking it, say, because he said so. 
He's demonstrating his authority even in this situation of, of getting the donkey to ride in on. He's saying, go and get the donkey. That's, that's a command to his disciples. And then he says, if they say, why are you stealing my donkey? They say, well, it's not really yours anyway because the king wants it. Jesus demonstrates himself as authority. Jesus is, is taking this animal because it doesn't belong to someone else. It belongs to him. Everything belongs to the king. There's also this, this other side of submitting to the authority of Jesus. We're also called to, to have faith in him. And as, as Christians, there is, there's no such thing between private and personal life. That, that all of our life is under the authority of Jesus. And we don't often live this way, right? We, we like to keep things separated. We like to keep this part of my life private. And this part of my life is sacred. That's not how it works. All of it is together. There's no separation between private and personal. So what's happening in your private life away from here is the same as what is happening in your, your public life here. Your personal life, your private life, those things are not off limits to Jesus. We like to keep those things off limits from Jesus. But those things are not off limits from the king. And so he governs our, our bodies. He governs our debit cards. He, he governs our desires and, and what we look up on our phones and what we put in our fridges and, and what we do in the, in the office. He's the king over all of those things. And so we ask the question, God, what do you want to do with the stuff that you have entrusted to me? It all belongs to you as the king. What do you want me to do? second thing is that we have to accept Jesus as sovereign, not only by submitting to his authority, but also finding peace in his protection. Because one of the things about a good king is they are going to be providing protection for the people. The king provides protection for, for the kingdom. That's part of his, his role, his, his responsibility, is, is to protect the and so if Jesus is our king, then we have to, to rest in the fact and, and, and submit to the fact that Jesus is bringing us peace, that he's providing us protection. This king brings, this, this idea of a king is, is, is a military idea. And a king kept an army to keep the king the king, right? So no one else would come in and take over and become the king. And so they would keep this army to, to keep their authority as king, but, but they also wanted to keep peace among the people because the people were the ones that funded everything, right? And so Jesus, as our king, brings peace. That day in Jerusalem where they lined the streets and, and covered the streets with their cloaks and, and with the palm branches, they're saying, Hosanna, shouting out, Hosanna, which means Lord, save us. They're saying, yes, this is the guy. You are the king. But they're crying out to him, save us. Bring peace. Bring your authority. Bring your rule over, to the, over the lands. 
They believed that, that his power could bring their lives the peace that they desperately needed and wanted. So will Jesus bring peace and protection over our lives? So we submit to the authority of Jesus. We, we rest in the peace and the protection of Jesus. And then finally, we celebrate Jesus and we treat him differently than we would treat anyone else. You don't walk into the presence of the Queen of England and give her a high five. Something bad. There's certain behavior, there's certain etiquette of, of how you would approach a monarch. How you would approach authority. And so how do we approach Jesus in our lives? If, if Jesus really is the authority in all aspects of our lives, both personal and private, if he's someone that is bringing us peace and protection, then, then how do we approach Jesus? How do we treat Jesus? Do we, do we, do we treat him differently than others? When you, when you come into the presence of royalty, you would maybe bow. You would submit in some way. And so we imagine these people lining the road with these cloaks, laying out their coats, probably the only coat that they had, laying this in the road to be walked upon by a donkey, cutting off these palm branches and laying them before Jesus be walked upon. They're treating him differently. They're, they're laying out this path for him. If Jesus really was this Messiah, this King, then, then you'd rather have him walking on your cloaks than have them trudge through the dirt. And so for us, we, we treat Jesus differently. The fact that we're gathered together this morning says we treat Jesus differently. Because there's a lot of other things that we could be doing this morning. We could be at home in bed. We could be off to some other activity. We could be involved in other things. But, but we hold Sunday as this, this sacred opportunity to set Jesus apart and elevate Jesus and glorify Jesus. We cry out, Hosanna! Save us! We do that together. And so we, we cry out to Jesus, we, we worship Jesus, we, we celebrate Jesus, we sing songs. That's quirky, right? We're all standing in a room together singing. Huh? What does that tell the world around us? That more important than my agenda, more important than what I wanted to do this morning, more important than, than the selfish life that I have, is Jesus being lifted high, celebrating and worshiping, singing songs not about myself, but singing songs about him, about the king, lifting him high. And so part of our job as the sovereign people of God Part of our job as ones who are under the authority and the kingship of Jesus is to show the world who the sovereign leader really is. To 
to sing songs about him, to, to change our lifestyles about him, to, to adjust our priorities. We are, we are shouting praises through our lives, through our actions, through our habits and our behaviors, and the, the way we treat others, and the, the path that we're on, the priorities that we make, the decisions that we make. We are shouting out to the world that Jesus is sovereign. Not self, not country, Jesus is sovereign over all. None of this is easy for us. This does not come naturally to us. This is against every bone in our body, right? To put something else that far above ourselves. And so there is a learning curve for us to live under the rule of Jesus. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes getting together and, and trying things out and realigning things and adjusting things. We see embedded in this picture what this struggle looks like in this quirky scene of palm branches and donkeys. We don't see it in the crowd. They praise him. They, they lay before him the path that is needed. But we see this quirky character of the donkey. This donkey. Who is carrying the king. It tells us that it is a colt. One that has, has never been ridden. Once again, we don't know a lot about donkeys. But a donkey that has never been ridden. Who has not been tamed. Who has not been unbroken. Is likely not going to be a good first ride, right? I don't imagine that donkey wants you on him. And here Jesus is taming this beast, taming this wild creature, riding on the donkey. And so there's this image of peace here, this image of, of, of what Jesus does to, to something that is is immature to something that is untamed, to, to something that has not yet submitted to authority. And here Jesus is maturing and taming this animal. And that's us, right? It's Family Worship Sunday, so I'll continue to use the word donkey. We are donkeys. Right? Some of the spouses are nodding their head more than they should. We're a bunch of donkeys. We think we're smart, but we're not. We are untamed. We are immature. We are prone to reject those who try to ride. Those who try to have authority over us, we want to reject that. And that is our natural inclination to what Jesus does in our lives. As, as, as followers of Jesus, we say, yes, you are king, but our natural inclination is when it gets tough, when it's not what I like, when it, when it goes against my comfort zone, then I want to buck him off. I don't want him taming me and telling me that I can't do that. I want to go free. I don't want someone taming me. Because here Jesus is. 
coming in and riding on this donkey. And we have a choice to make. The donkey didn't have much of a choice. Jesus said, go get the donkey. The donkey was signed up for service. But for us, we have a choice. We are given Jesus as king. But we have a choice whether or not we want to follow him. Whether or not we want to submit ourselves to the authority, to the kingship of Jesus. So when Jesus rides in, when we say, yes, I'm going to learn what it means to follow and submit to the king. I'm going to be tamed. I'm going to be matured. It's not always going to be comfortable. It's not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be what I think it should be. But I'm going to submit myself to the kingship of Jesus. And so on Palm Sunday, Jesus comes to us. He comes to us. Are we ready to lay the palm branches down? To clear the path for him? To shout Hosanna and accept his leadership? To accept his kingship? It is quirky for sure. To do such a thing does not look right to the world around us. That's what we're called to do with Jesus. It's a weird scene. It's a quirky scene. But there's meaning behind it, showing us who God is and what God's desire is for us. We can reject it. We can choose our own path. Jesus presents himself to us, waiting for this decision to be made. And so will we submit to his authority? Will we allow him to, to publicly tame our lives, to, to, to mature us, so that the world will not be able to ignore this Jesus? Will we shout Hosanna? Will we shout Hosanna? Let's be standing together. We're going to continue to um, experiment a little with our, our prayer time and our communion time. So we're, we're continuing to work through this. If, if you are assisting with, with communion, if you can go ahead and head to the back. We've got communion tables prepared. Uh, we've, we've got more this time. So we've got one in the front, one in the back, and then the four along the sides. And we're just going to open up. We're going to have two, um, two songs for us to open up this time to, to share in communion. The, the, the act of sharing communion, of, of a piece of cracker, and a tiny little cup of juice. I'm going to talk about quirky things, right? You're doing what? Because Jesus submits himself to the cross to be our king. And so every Sunday we, we come and take a piece of cracker and we take this cup of juice to remember that Jesus submitted himself willfully this for us. So we want to open up a time to, to be at the table together 
and also a time of prayer together. And so we'll, we'll have shepherds down front. We've got prayer ministry team members that, that will be around. I want to encourage you to, to spend the next two songs praying with one another, encouraging one another, spend time as, as a family, especially as Family Worship Sunday. This is a great time as a family to, to gather around the table together and have communion together. Um, spend some time in prayer together. Encourage one another through that. Um, for those of you who weren't here last week, we've got rails on the two corners of the steps, and so you can go up those stairs and find one of the tables that's empty. Um, leave the trays at the table if you can. Don't pass them down the line. Um, it actually makes things more complicated. And then there are pitchers there that you can throw your empty cups into. So throw your empty cups into the pitchers. They make it so uh, we will have somebody who is available to serve. Um, if you can't navigate the stairs, just stay at your seat and watch for one of the people walking around with the tray, and they'll serve you at your chair um, as well. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this moment here where we can cry out Hosanna. To declare that you are king, to declare that, that you have authority over our lives, and you have authority over this world around us. You have authority over all things. God, as we, as we take this bread and drink this cup, we declare that you are king. We thank you for submitting yourself to that, for willfully giving yourself up for us. God, bless this bread and bless this cup and this time of prayer now.